Hello and welcome to Sitcom Geeks. Dave is just getting comfortable. <laughs> here right. we go. Look and listen to that chair move. We are very slick here on Sitcom Geeks. Let's start that again. Hello and welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm James Carey. I'm Dave Cohen. And uh, we are going to talk about notes today. And we are going to start off by talking about one of our 10 page challenges from mm. 1723 by yes. Last Reckonings. Right. Um, and uh, Tristan Wilson, don't know if you're still out there or if you've just given up caring or you've grown a very, very long beard since yes. you uh, sent the. Uh, or moved to LA story. and started making movies. Quite in which possibly. case, could you please offer us some work? Yeah. <laughs> but um, um, we're going to discuss your. Uh, 10 pages from the 10 page challenge um, and which will go rather nicely into a conversation about notes yes because uh, we're going to give notes and then uh, talk about people who give notes yes uh, so and then we shall give them notes yes. so um, if you would like to episode. quite matter if you would like to read the script in question then go to our Facebook page or look at the notes underneath the episode on the uh, British Comedy Guide thing and there will be a link to a page where you can listen where you can find all of our first 10 pages uh, that we've talked about in previous episodes. Mm. So, um, tell us about this script. Right. It is called either Jamoke, it's spelt J-A-M-O-K-E, or Jamoke, I'm not quite sure which, uh, and it's by Tristan Wilson. So thank you for this. Uh, thanks very much, uh, Tristan. And I'm not sure, as I say, Jamoke or Jamoke. It's quite a, a promising story. Uh, it's about two guys who are setting up um, their own business uh, selling coffee. In the first scene, we meet uh, Devon, uh, who is described as young and arrogant, and uh, we also meet, sorry, uh, we meet Joe, who is described as young and arrogant, uh, and then Devon, who's described as uh, socially inept. But then very quickly... Um, Joe's character seems to sort of uh, change a bit. It's, it, it starts out with quite a lot of um, us being shown stuff, uh, being told stuff that we should be shown. Um, for instance, uh, Devon is uh, very excited. He's got hold of some new T-shirts uh, for their new business that they're setting up. And he says to Joe, I got these t-shirts that you said that I should get, um, which we don't really need to hear that because he's holding these t-shirts up. Uh, show, don't tell. So we've got these two guys, one's socially inept and one's very arrogant. And it doesn't really feel like we're, we're getting a real conversation as they're talking about um, their coffee business that they're trying to get started or that they have just started. We don't really know what their relationship is either. Are they brothers? Uh, and why are they together? What has brought them together? Um, and why do they stay together? And what happens uh, quite early on, um, what happens to Joe is that although he is arrogant to begin with, he then makes a, sort of quite a long speech uh, in this first scene and by the end of the uh, speech he's gone from being a little bit arrogant and a little bit sneery he's suddenly turned into um, an idealistic dreamer so he starts this speech sort of sneering at Devon about getting these um, t-shirts and spending money and stuff but then he starts to talk about 
how he sees this business as his way of, um, you know, it's uh, going to lead to great things, you know, like Apple starting in a garage. Nice... It's also, it's worth saying, it is a very long speech. Yeah. And in a, in a two-hander, I always have big worries about any, any speech that you give someone to say that is more than two sentences yeah. without the other person saying something or interacting or interrupting always strikes me as... Um, a bit um a bit potentially staged yeah um so i would be um i would be just a bit nervous about that if ever you're looking back on a script and you see big clumps of one person talking i would uh, do your best to uh try and turn that either into a conversation or just or cut it down yeah. or introduce action to it or or something like that yeah and so we have this scene that sets up quite nicely, and I think, as I say, there are some nice jokes in it um, about how they're going to start their next day. It's like they've they've been going a while, but they're you know this is um, them just just setting up what they do and who they are. Scene two, uh, which I know is scene two because I worked out it's the scene after scene one, and this is another real bugbear of mine. I get sent a lot of scripts by people who do not number their scenes. And this may sound like a very small thing, but if I'm reading a script and I'm kind of deep in on page 32 and something's happened, and that reminds me a little bit of something that happened in an earlier scene, uh, and I can remember it's, oh, it's the scene where they did such and such... And I look down and I'll see scene three, and that's going to be the one. Whereas if the scenes aren't numbered, I have to go all the way back to the beginning and remind myself where the scene is. So please, please number your scenes. And it looks like this script has been done on final draft, so it is yeah. literally just toggling a box right. and saying number scenes automatically. Yeah. But I generally quite like this scene. It sort of meanders along quite nicely, and we get to the story well, of used, the scene as well. You've used the word meander, which which for me is a bit of a worry. Yeah. Um, because the scene starts at the bottom of page three, and runs page four, page five, page six, page seven, onto page eight. Right. Now, you can have a scene that long, and that could be fine, mm-hmm. but what has actually happened by the end of it? What What yeah. is Joe or Devon trying to do? You know, what, what have they set up in scene one that in scene two is now a complication or a difficulty? What happens is an, uh, well, uh, an opportunity, in fact, and so it, you do get to that by the end of scene two, and we do get to what the story is going to be. You've got it. You've got it. You've got your story by page seven on the script, or, right. uh, uh, and I would like to see it on page five. And I think, uh, as I say, one of the main problems I have is there is too much exposition. I think if you cut out a lot of the exposition. You could probably be at, at about page five without really having uh, got rid of anything. So what's good though is the fact that you've got um, a you know a so the, we think that the, the quest is is rather late in coming. It's on page seven. It'd be better mm-hmm. if it was on page four or five. But what's quite good is we've got it's for an animal rights group. He's now mm-hmm. going to cater. So please make sure all the meat has been killed humanely. Um, all vegetables, just make it all vegetables, you know. So we now know that this is not a straightforward catering job, mm. and we now know that there is going to be a possibility of failure that's specific rather than it just being done badly. Yeah. Um, we know, so, well, in fact, it, it's it's more, it's almost more, we, we know it will be a failure. We want to know 
what what we're going to be interested in is how are they going to it's also obviously going to be a spectacular failure how are they going to come out of it and live to to, to fight another day yeah which is what as we say sitcom is about yeah. not learning from the mistakes and then carrying on basically i think you know you've got the, the, the start of a promising story i would go back uh look at your characters look at joe and devon that's the the the, the key thing about this sitcom is clearly the relationship between joe and devon the fact they're trying to run this uh business the fact that they're obviously going to be crap at it uh why are they together why are they friends why you know what's um what on earth keeps them working together when they are so obviously incompatible which is perfectly fine because so much comedy is about incompatible couples yeah uh and then you know one once you establish those two characters then you can start to worry about who the other people are around it and you'll find the more work you put into joe and devon and their business and whatever you'll hopefully find that organically other characters will come out that that will feed into that and be a part of their story and that all of that is hard to take though and yeah. and receive and so uh, moving on um it is Receiving notes does not get easier, no. in my opinion, um, and you do um, really struggle to hear stuff that is basically saying something that you've spent absolutely ages on mm. is flawed for the following reasons. Yeah, um, we, we and have, so we, we have. I was just going to say we we've discussed notes in a, a, a previous episode, but we were just wanted to talk a little bit more about notes. We've got sort of a kind of update, really. Yeah. Uh, and so you, you're well, yeah. I mean, we, we had. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I got given some uh, uh, terrible notes the other day on something which I found very difficult, but um, in a way, just getting cross about it doesn't really get you anywhere. So you sort of need to work out ways of turning notes that are both good, bad, indifferent, or you can't even tell whether they're good or bad, because that's quite often the problem. Is that uh, if you're not terribly experienced and you slightly take all notes as if they're very, very useful and some of them may actually be unhelpful and there are other notes which um, you may think are ridiculous but are actually the good ones. It's sort of You need a bit of experience to know whether the notes are actually helpful or not. Um, but um, Dave has uh, recently written uh, a blog post about this with a bit of fresh thinking so do you want to just sort of summarise yeah. what your? I mean, uh, what what I'd like to do is come at this uh, from the the point of view of the note giver because I do read a lot of scripts and I do uh, I do give a lot of notes and I am painfully aware as having been the receiver of notes over the years I I, I try to be uh, as sensitive as possible uh, to the writer about um, the, what what. I give when I give notes to people and and so I'm kind of trying to say it from from that point of view and the first point to make always is that uh, writing is rewriting and rewriting is hard Uh, rewriting is always hard Um, however much we may say oh you know just get that first draft written that's the most Mm. important thing you know you're going to have to make changes but that unless this is something that you have to give to a producer the minute you finish writing it, generally, if you've finished writing a script, you can stop and take a day off and uh, think, right, I'm going to go and look at that script again tomorrow and check it. But actually, in the moment that you finish that script, mm. you you think, well, that's the best that I could possibly have made it at that point. There is a kind of feeling of... 
ah, I've achieved what I meant set out to achieve. I have finished the script. And yeah. I, so I know there'll be rewrites, but that's as good as I could have made it. Yeah, I think... And yet you know that somebody's going to look at it and say, mm, well, I don't like this and I don't like that. And so it's kind of... It, it's always painful. Yeah. <laughs> you always hope that someone... You, you don't, I no longer expect anyone to read my first draft and say, that is perfect. I'm not going to change a yeah. word. But... I, there's always the hope that someone will say, you know, this is really, really good, and there's yeah. just only like all I think you need to do yeah. is A, B, C, and you know, you ninety nine times out of a hundred, that's not going to happen. Yeah, and actually, um, a writer recently mentioned on um, when I was uh, conversing with them on social media, they were saying that they did once have someone say to a first draft, "This is perfect, hmm. and let's make it." and doesn't want to change it. And actually, that was more worrying uh, than bad notes because this writer knew in his heart of hearts that it wasn't quite yeah. right, but he just didn't quite know how it wasn't right. Yeah. So, the, in one sense, the dream that we all want as writers is to be told that our script is perfect mm. and they don't want to change a word. But actually, that's not a terribly helpful situation no. either. Um, and we constantly delude ourselves that we can produce a first draft that is knocking it out of the park and is is, is, is perfect. Yeah. But we know full well we're not going to shoot it until it's at least draft eight. Hmm. Um, and but, but you have to go into every draft thinking, right, this is it. Yeah. You do slightly have to trick yourself yeah. um, and not kind of ease off knowing that this isn't actually going to be the finished thing. Yeah. Um, and that's hard to do. Yeah. And I think the, the the next point as well, which is a, which is an equally hard lesson, is that uh, sometimes rewrites, or quite often actually, rewrites will make the script worse, uh, and that's a um, it's a, a sad fact really. And so someone can say, and, and, and th- this is a sort of get out clause for me as somebody who script edits um someone might say to me but look you gave me these notes you said do this do that and i took most of what you said and i've done it and i've rewritten it and it's and now you're saying it's not as good as it was i.e therefore it's your fault script note giver Mm -hmm. uh, that the script is worse and you know there's possibly some truth in that but there is also the fact that you know how many scripts that uh, are, are ever brilliant, you know, in the in the world of comedy, and mm. and again, the sad truth is that you know maybe between us, we we could probably think of four or five scripts that we've ever written mm. and go, that is absolutely, I really am so proud of that script, and you know, it is really really hard. If it wasn't that hard to get it right, then everything that was on telly would be brilliant. Fact is. Most stuff that's on telly is, uh, I mean, there's a lot of not great stuff, but I'd say the vast majority of stuff that you see on telly is okay. Yeah. It's not quite brilliant enough. Yeah. And and so uh, when you've, when you start rewriting a script, there's a chance that it was, there's something that was not quite right in the first time around and then nobody saw that once you start to rewrite it, it kind of starts to unravel a bit. And so. And actually, but, but, in one sense, being indignant that the script is getting worse, again, doesn't really get you anywhere. Quite often, you might need to unpick it, redo it, make mm. it worse, and then you realise that the original version wasn't as bad as you thought it was, yeah. or you've discovered how to improve the original version, and that you've, you've, you've basically, this is trial and error. Yeah. This script isn't working, how about trying it this way? 
Hmm. Um, okay, let's try it that way. Oh, no, that's terrible. That's a disaster. Yeah. Oh, okay, well, we've learned something. Yeah. And again, I think the moment you insert your ego into all of this, which is impossible not to do, <laughs> yeah. you, you become resentful of how, oh, you made my script worse. Well, mm. they didn't. They're trying to help you. Mm. And in the, in the process... This is this is a, you know this script needed to get worse before it got better. I mean, if it didn't get better in the first place, if it wasn't perfect in the first place, well, whose fault is that? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's your fault. Yeah. Um. So it's very easy to transfer your own inadequacies and um, difficulties onto note givers when uh, when that isn't entirely justified. Even though, as I say you do sometimes get some notes that are truly idiotic and infuriating mm. or from people who you really think, I don't think they have any clue what they're doing. I think, it's a, I think for example, one big problem the, our industry in this country has is that um, quite often someone goes from making the tea and being a runner yeah. to being a development yes. assistant to being a development producer. Mm. And suddenly a- they're giving notes to you mm. They they don't know what they're talking about, and they're yeah. giving you notes, and you don't know what you're talking about. This is literally the blind leading the blind. Yeah, um, it is astonishing, isn't it? Actually, and I, I, you know, I've noticed this at every level uh, in in TV is that somebody who's uh, shows a, is a little bit bright and shows a little bit of initiative and and smiles and says all the right things very quickly finds themselves in a position uh, having. Sp- six months or so experience of sitting in a room with people with five, 10, 20 years experience telling them what they should be doing with their script. And I, I you know, that I'm, I'm wary of sounding like a kind of grumpy old man saying, you don't, you know who I am. Yeah. You can't tell me what to do, but I would like to at least see production companies acknowledge that actually, you know, we've, we, we've, done it right in some ways before you know like just 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 we, we we've done stuff successfully before okay mm. so trust us that we sort of know what we're doing with these characters um and, and and one thing i'm very aware of when i'm giving notes is i i don't try to say um do this and maybe this joke won't work i said what i try to do is i make a suggestion that i think that for the writer to go away and think about how they might change, how they might make that character work, or they might make that joke work more. I don't want to be the. I don't want to write the script, mm. and that's again, that's a little bit of a problem sometimes with people who give notes. They might say they might be very enthusiastic and think, well, actually, oh, why don't you try this? Why don't you try that? Well, I did try that, but it didn't work. So, I think for a note giver. Uh, you have to trust that the writer knows the material well enough that they've probably thought of that that joke. So that's, again, me, uh, talk, talking from the point of view of somebody who gives a lot of notes. Mm. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it, it, when somebody who's meant to be helping you then basically effectively starts rewriting your script for you, mm. that is very frustrating indeed. And I, I, I've had that this year. I've had... Mm on at least two occasions, somebody essentially start rewriting my script and sending mm. it back to me to ask me what I think. Yeah. And um, actually, when I've told them what I think, uh, they didn't like it. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I think this is a slight failure of understanding yeah. and respect. But equally, we don't want to be people saying, well, we are the writers and we know best, because mm. we don't. It is a collaborative process. 
Um, again, it's the ego that's normally yeah. the problem. So what I want to suggest is uh, in order to help you, bearing in mind that you're not going to like the notes, probably, uh, you're not going to enjoy what you hear, but what can you do to minimise uh, the amount of note giving that you think might not be very good? So there's a few little points uh, that I, I should point out the first thing that I was wanting to say and this was a sort of light bulb moment thing uh, that I had which is that that all writing is rewriting okay and that's every single thing so that from the even when you suddenly think oh here's a good idea or it's a good idea for a joke and the point from which you had the idea in your head to the point that you start typing it you are already rewriting you're rewriting the wouldn't it be funny if thing in your head and so it might not seem a very helpful thing to say, but actually, you know, as long as money is not being spent on the production, as long as the only thing that's important now is the stuff that's in your brain mm. that has to go onto a piece of paper, you kind of almost be happy to embrace the chaos of mm. that and accept that there is a, an, a huge amount of chaos going on in your brain from the point at which you have the idea to the point at which you write it down. And so... When people suggest things, that's their brain putting their thing on it. It might just seem way, way out of what you've been thinking about. But maybe just think about what they've said and think, oh, yes. And it's a it's a classic thing that you're taught when you do improv, is when somebody comes up with an idea, your instinct uh, as a performer is to say no and to, to, to block it. So you have to fight your instinct and say yes and... So that's a kind of that. That's one of the things that I think you should, you know, be 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 aware of the chaos of what writing is and accept, uh, embrace it rather than fight it. Mm, that's really good. Yeah. One other uh, thought again is, um, you know, when you think about something, um, be decisive about it. You may be wrong, <laughs> but before you commit down thing right that that scene's going there now maybe it might work better there and just play around with it and see where it goes and just think mm, i can't quite decide okay i'm putting it here mm. all right i put it here i've decided that now it's there someone might pick up on that and say i don't like it there okay i'll move it so but at least i've looked at various options yeah. of what to do with it before i've committed myself to that yeah, that's helpful. I think yeah, just making choices and acknowledging that when you're rewriting something, you do you're going to have to cut stuff that you like. You're going to have to introduce stuff that you don't know whether it's going to work or not. Mm. It, it you know, but you do have to make choices. And um, I mean, there's a ch chapter in my book about it. There's a bit on my blog about one of the worst things I did as a writer was deliver a script that was nine thousand words rather than oh, about yes. five and a half thousand. Yeah, <laughs> and the the producer was sort of quite disappointed and angry because I was effectively saying, there's a script in here, can you please find where it is? Mm. And that's not his job. That's yeah. my job. And I should have delivered a script that was the right length with what I thought would work rather yeah. than sort of say, I don't really know what works, so I've put it all in. Yeah. Um, that's a good way of writing for yourself. Uh, a long time ago, we spoke to Mark Evans on this podcast and that's how he writes. Yeah. But he doesn't then deliver... Mm. A fifty-five page script. He'll yeah. deliver a forty-page script or whatever it's meant to be for yeah. his format. So you do have to make choices. Yeah. And you know, if you want to write and you want to be a writer, then you need to act like one. And yeah. you know, 
Man up, woman up, and, and make a choice. Up, yeah. Person but, up. Yes. <laughs> Last point that I would like to make then, and kind of in conclusion, mm. this sort of ties in with the, the, the script that, that we uh, looked at at the beginning. Uh, prepare. Just prepare. Always put lots of work in before you write a word. Prepare. Think about your characters. Think about your stories. Uh, and and just, just go into a lot of detail and get, get to the sort of comic root of what your character uh, what your characters are and, and, and that way again that's going to help you more if um, someone asks you when they're giving you notes what's this supposed to mean uh, uh, I don't know is not the right answer mm. it's well I thought this this character so so prepare 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 which I think is a reasonable place to yes and I, I think even prepare yourself mentally to get the notes but also prepare the script before you send it off to make sure is this the best it can be and I recently blogged a thing about how to sort of take one last look at your script uh, before you send it off. And if you do have the time to set it aside for a couple of days, come back to it. One thing I've found is just making a new outline of what you've actually written compared to the outline that you oh, worked right. from. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you do that, you discover that the decisive moments that are in the script happen too late, too early. And yeah. fix them now so yeah. that you don't have them pointed out to you. And hopefully your draft one will be stronger and more like a draft two mm-hmm. by the time you deliver it. Right. Um, but then it, in itself, that will expose things that you didn't hadn't spotted. But so there, it, it hurts every time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, we you just get beaten up all the time um, in note form. Mm. And if you don't want that, then that's fine. But being a writer is not for you. Yeah. So lots of great sound advice there. You can read all of James's uh, blogs on Sitcom Geek Blogspot, and uh, I've got a Blogspot that I'm just working on my new website, so I can't tell you much uh, what it is yet. But I think it's a WordPress yep. uh, thing, so that's me being very disorganised. Yeah, but we'll who put knows? Some, we'll put some notes. Um, they'll be appear on the British Comedy Guide. Yeah. Uh, we'll make sure they're there. We are also operating a Patreon scheme. If you want to know more about that, if you would like to uh, subscribe and get extra things behind the scenes and extra podcasts and notes and newsletters and things, we'll give that more coherent thought. And but you'll find that on our Facebook page, Sitcom Geeks, and um, go and look for us on there. Yeah. But hopefully, that's enough to be going on with. Yeah, and speak to you again next time. Thanks very much. Bye.